Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of We Gotta Talk. Really excited about today's guest because so many of us as parents are juggling uh, lots of hats, right? Lots of identities. Lindsay Pinchuk is our guest today, and she is going to provide some wisdom and advice on, especially if you're a newer entrepreneur, how to make sure you're headed in the right direction, growing your business meaningfully, and also how, if it's at all possible, to balance that with your family life. So Lindsay Pinchuk is an award-winning entrepreneur, a consultant, a community builder with just $500 in her pocket. And while pregnant, she left her job as a magazine publishing executive and she founded her first company, Bump Club and Beyond. She sold that and now she helps other entrepreneurs essentially get their companies up and running, build meaningful communities and manage it all with having a separate life. So let's welcome Lindsay to the show. Hey, Lindsay, thanks for Hi, being Hi, Sunny. Sunny. Thanks so much for having me. You have a really, really interesting background. I hate to, you know, start with the backstory and not get to the exciting stuff first, but I do kind of want to give people some perspective on where you started and how you ended up where you are now. So tell us about your past life, your magazine days, and the transition that you made to where you are now. Yeah, of course. So it's so funny because I, growing up, always wanted to be a journalist. So I was actually so excited to meet you and to be here. I I, I really, that was my passion. I was the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. And when I graduated college and I moved to Chicago, there really were not many jobs in journalism. And I ended up landing a job at Sports Illustrated for Kids as an um, an ad sales assistant. And so it was very unexpected and I loved it. And I had always wanted to work in magazines and I just didn't know about like the business side of magazines and I learned it and I learned it quick. Um, I quickly... Um, grew the ranks and or went up the ranks and I became one of the youngest executives that Hearst hired as a sales executive. And I worked for brands like Redbook and Good Housekeeping. I left for a minute and went to MTV, but I realized that my passion was with magazine and I came back. Um, so I worked in magazine ad sales for 10 years. I was working with you know Fortune 500 companies. I was managing a territory that was worth millions of dollars. And it was amazing. And I loved my job. And I, I think it's so important to say that because I did. I, I loved what I was doing. And I got pregnant on purpose. I mean, I was very excited to start a family. But um, <laughs> And so when I got pregnant, I was in Chicago and I we, were tra- we are transplants. We don't have family here. And I realized I was going to need support and community. And at the time, none of my friends were pregnant. We all have fifth graders. So, you know, I was just kind of the first one of the bunch. And I knew I had to find some pregnant friends. I didn't want to wait until I was a mom. I I was going through so much. And there are so many things that you're experiencing in that life stage. And I said to my husband, there has to be a business in this. Like, how is there nowhere for me to find expectant moms other than a prenatal yoga class at five o'clock in Lincoln Park? Like, I'd have to leave work at four to get there. That's impossible. And so... I started hosting events. Um, I started hosting shopping events and prenatal workouts. And then, and really and truly like through word of mouth. And because you have to remember this was 2010, there was no social media, right? Like there was no, I mean, there was Facebook, but not Facebook business pages. Um, Through word of mouth, 50 people, 75 people, a hundred people were coming to these events and they were asking what's next, what's next. And I was pregnant. 
I knew what I wanted and I started bringing experts in. And honestly, Sunny, I, I started, I, I showed up as myself every day. I shared my pregnancy. I didn't sugarcoat it. I talked about feeling fat. I talked about my ankles being swollen. I talked about my stretch marks. Like I was just myself and people gravitated towards that. And people started coming to the events and talking to me and sharing. And from there, I grew this company word of mouth spread. And we ended up hosting events in Minneapolis. We ended up hosting events in Los Angeles and San Francisco really word of mouth. And at the same time, social media was becoming a thing. And I was learning social media and putting myself on social media and growing the brand through that as well. But really through our community, that's what it was. And um, I ended up creating a huge activations for brands like Nordstrom and Target and The Honest Company. We were working with every baby brand. I became a spokesperson for Huggies. Um, and, you know, this was amazing. I was having kids during this time. So it was like I was making a career out of my life stage. And I ended up growing the business. We, we were about we were seven figures year over year for the last five years that I owned it. Um, I was reaching about three million parents and parents to be per month over all of our platforms and like with our ads and every, you know, everything combined. And I was approached in 2019 by three different entities all on LinkedIn. It was very bizarre. And I ended up leading the acquisition of Bump Club and Beyond to a large agency holding company. And in 2019, we closed that deal. I worked for them for two and a half years. And then I started getting a lot of inquiries from other brands, from clients, from entrepreneurs, asking for my help and asking how they can grow their business. And I realized that that was what lit me up inside was helping people. And, you know, I was not a young mom anymore. I was not pushing a stroller anymore. I felt a little bizarre telling people like, you need to get a bugaboo or you need to get an up a baby when like I wasn't using it. And being the face of this brand where like I could talk about parenting all day and all night, but it was really making me excited to help other people realize their dreams. And so last summer I decided to exit the company and they became my first client. So Bump Club became my first client. I worked with them for eight weeks on it, like as I exited and I prepared the whole brand for them to take over because I had been the face of the company. And through that time, I ended up putting myself out there, which was really scary. And I got my own clients and I started my own podcast. And now I'm helping other female founders to realize their dreams and to grow their communities and, um, you know, really live the life that they want to live. You know, we've talked to so many um, mothers who also happen to be working in some capacity, making that transition to entrepreneur. And Lindsay, I don't know whether to be really encouraged by the incredible success stories that we hear about people who branch off on their own or really discouraged by the fact that the traditional, um, you know, corporate workforce and system really doesn't seem to be able to support women, especially at that critical time when, when, you're going through all the changes. Your body is changing. Your emotions are changing. You're pumping at work. You're figuring out a way. Um, what's your whole take on this? Like pull out and kind of do the bird's eye view for a second, because I, I I talk to people about this all the time and I cannot tell you how many people from the broadcast industry in particular call me and almost ask me for permission to leave. Like, well, how did you do it? Tell me how you did it. What was it like? I mean, it's a real, it's, it's, there's just, positives and negatives to it. And I want to hear from your experience, what you tell someone who is sort of straddling that line between, okay, should I try to make it work, get through, like you said, the first five years of my child's life, which is the busy stage, or 
is this my time to figure out something on my own? Absolutely. That's such a good question. And the other thing that I think is like, I did it twice and I did it twice under different circumstances. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I want to share kind of what both of those are, but bigger picture when I was leaving Hearst. So like I said, I loved my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I loved it. And I, and I went back and I tried to make it work. I mean, I said to my husband, I want to work at Hearst. I want to have bump club. I want to be a mom. And the circumstances were such that I had gotten a new boss right before I was leaving for maternity leave. And, um, she, she, um, was not so supportive of my extra job or my parent too. No, she was not a parent and she was beyond like childbearing years. So she was not going to ever be a parent uh, unless she adopted, you know, she was not going to have her own baby. She was not going to be pregnant. And, um, you know, she, she talked about being very supportive of me and this new life stage. But when it, when push came to shove, I realized that she was going to make my life hell. And, um, you know, she said to me, oh, and I know about your, your business that you started. Well, many people at Hearst had started businesses. Our, our SVP at the time was an author writing books, like going on book tours. So like, it wasn't like I was in some anomaly where I had some side hustle and it was definitely not interfering with my job. I was still exceeding my goals and doing my job. And it was very apparent that she was going to make my life not so great. And, um, you know, I, I did what I always do when I kind of am in that like crux Mm -hmm. and trying to make a decision is I asked myself, what's the worst that happens? And like, what is the worst that happens? So I leave my job and I can't make it work. And then what? I go back and get another job. I mean, the, you know, the whole first year that I was gone, I had people in the magazine industry calling me, asking me to do maternity leave placements and, you know, all this, uh, all these other things and for jobs and whatnot. So, you know, that was the worst that would happen. And I was able to live with that. And, you know, I ended up leaving and I worked really hard. You know, the goal for the first year was to pay for our childcare. You know, I had given up a very nice salary, which that is scary. And I will say that is scary. And we made, we had to make adjustments and we had to make changes. Um, But I never looked back because I knew that I wanted to have flexibility with my kids. And I ended up really liking what I was doing. I mean, I I liked it, but I like loved what I was doing. And I, you know, I go back to what I was saying before. I wanted to be a journalist, right? And here I was in a way being a journalist. I mean, I was sharing my life as a parent and connecting parents with the best resources for being a parent. And I was giving information to the masses and I loved it. So, you know, to answer your question, like, I I think when you reach that crux, you have to ask yourself that question, is it worth it? And what's the worst that can happen? And if you're okay with it, then I think it's definitely worth it to try to make it work especially if you're not happy or if you realize that your happiness is going to be compromised. Right. How old are your kids now? Now they're 11 and eight. And so when I did this the second time, it was a little bit different because I was not happy um, at all. And to your point, like, so I built a company to support moms and I mostly, I had all women working for me when we were acquired. I think we had like eight or nine full-time employees and we had like two dozen part-time employees. Most were moms, not all. Um, Now they are all moms actually. And, um, you know, I built this so that women could have the flexibility and work how they wanted to work. So we had part-time employees, full-time employees. And like, 
it was never a, a thing to, if you had to be with your kids or if you had to go to school or like, that's just how I ran my company and everyone got their work done. Wait, can I hop in there yeah. Wait, from the boss's perspective? Do you think you get better work out of an employee by yes. giving them like all these unlimited vacation policies or leave when you have to pick up your kid from daycare? Like, do you actually get better work out of your workers? So I, I'm not a huge fan of the corporate unlimited vacation policy because I was the victim of it actually. Like, it, oh, like I, my, like I had a policy change on me and like in the middle and, and I ended up like had negotiated a month of vacation, but all of a sudden I had unlimited. And so I didn't get paid out on uh-huh. that vacation. I don't think the unlimited, I think the unlimited vacation days is a little bit of a, it, it's not a benefit. I mean, if you're real, if you're working for like a real corporation, this was a small business. So, right. you know, it was a little bit different. But yes, I mean, I do think that if you are flexible with your employees, you will get much more out of them. Yeah. I always said, I just don't understand. Like if you let me leave at 6.15 instead of 6.45, I will come and I will work my ass off starting at 8 o'clock when I get back. Like it was always strange to me that maybe because women and men and often men were in positions of power, at least at the time that I was in the industry, that I was so surprised that they didn't understand that really simple concept and not just for, you know, child reasons, but for other family reasons, family events or, um, you know, big things you need to be out of town for. I'm like, I just don't get it. If I were a boss, I feel like I would give them that little bit and you would get so much more in return. Oh man, without a doubt. And I will say this, moms are the best multitaskers ever. And if you want to get a job done, just give it to a mom and they'll do it. And who, like, who cares? I didn't care if my employees were working at one in the morning, if that worked for them. I mean, I didn't want that, but like, you know, if they were with their kids all day, I mean, as long as the job got done yeah, and it did, but when we were acquired, you know, I was told we were going to be able to maintain flexibility. And to some degree we were to some degree, but we were in a much more corporate environment. We had much different accountability. And so what I found was I was working around the clock because I was working all day with like these meetings that people were putting on my calendar. And then I was working all night with the job that I had to do, which was being the face of this brand. And I wasn't happy. And, and I, and I, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning and knowing what it's like to love your job and to be very happy. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And not to mention, you know, I mentioned, you asked me about my kids, my kids felt my unhappiness and they felt me stretched thin. And as much as like, they love bump club, like my kids, it is like, they are so proud of this company that I built. And they, anytime they see a pregnant person, even now they're like, you should go to bump club, even though I'm not even there anymore, you know, but they, they felt it and my husband felt it. And so for me, the second time it took a lot longer. This was my first baby. I, you know, I was really worried about what people were going to think of me. Are people going to feel abandoned? Is my community going to feel abandoned? Even though I'm not leaving social media, I am leaving bump club. Um, and there, there were a lot of factors that really played into this. There was also a mourning period. And like, I kind of say, like I sat Shiva for it and I, I just, but I got to the point that I was like, okay, like this is, I have to do this. And the relief that I felt when I did was physical. Like I literally had a moment on the last day where I closed my computer and I, someone called me from the office to like get a last password. And I was like, I got to call you back. I like blacked out. Like I, I like physically, like I was so relieved to not have to be working around the clock anymore. And you know, corporate America to your point doesn't support moms. And like as much as they can say it all they want, all they want. And, you know, I worked at Hearst where Hearst puts media (laughs) out to support women. 
And there were many times that I felt unsupported and even coming back from maternity leave in that moment with my new boss, right? Like every woman on my floor had a work from home day and she didn't want to give it to me because of my side business, despite my performance. So, you know, I share that because it doesn't matter now, it's been 15 years, but I also share that because I think it's so important that we do support women and we do let them live their lives and you will get to your point so much more out of them and you will have less turnover. Yeah. I think the other point you brought up that's really important to acknowledge is you can love your job and still leave it. You can love what you, I had the the identical experience. There's nothing about my day-to-day work that I loathed. I felt free and happy and great while I was there problem is you come back into the reality of that other existence, you know, your family and home life. And that was the part that was just not. So, you know, I I think people wait for these grand signs from the universe. Like, oh, you know, I crossed the street and, you know, fell and broke my arm and I couldn't go back to work. And that's when I realized I can, it's not like that. And there's really never seems to be a right time until it feels right. So I like to hear that too, because I think there, as women, we do tend to ask for permission to, or like I said, really, really wait until the last second. And we've tapped out every last reserve of energy that we've had before we can throw our hands up and say, I give up. There's no shame in that, right? There's no shame in finding that pivot and finding that change. No, there is no shame. And like, I even say that to entrepreneurs now, like there's no shame in pivoting and changing when you have a business, right? It's the same thing. Like, just because you're pivoting, just because you're making a change does not mean you have failed. It right. does not mean that, you know, something's wrong with you. It means that you recognize there's a situation that needs to be fixed or, or you know, adjusted and you do it. And and I that goes for your life and that goes for your business too when you're a business owner. I mean, things don't always work out and you're not going to sit there and do something over and over and over again that's not working. You're going to pivot and change. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you failed. Right, right. It means you recognize the need for sure. Okay, wait, I just have to ask you this like mom to mom for a second. So my kids are nine, seven, and almost five. And I'm kind of in the stage you are. You have an 11-year-old. You're a little bit farther down the road. But like, isn't the state, the stage is so weird. I find myself, and I'm curious if you do as well, really mourning the crazy chaotic early days. I was literally crying walking around when I saw a woman pushing a stroller. All my kids are in school now. And I lost it like a total head case on the walking trail. And you're like, who am I? I mean, I was crying for sleep five years ago. And today I'm crying because I miss someone near me. Are you in that stage too? A little bit. Like, it's funny because my eight-year-old used to be, like, she she was the one who was very, like, like, would latch on to me and physical and she's not as much anymore. Um, I, it takes a little bit more for me to get her there, you know, but I will say glass half full. I, I love the age that my kids are at because we're having so much fun together. And like we were, so we just went on spring break. We just went to Los Angeles and my kids hadn't been, you know, like to LA since way before the pandemic, they were a lot younger and they're different people now. And we spent like a whole day shopping in Venice and Santa Monica, like shopping, like they wanted to buy things. And like, and and I know that that sounds so crazy, but it was fun. You know what I mean? It was like fun taking my girls into the stores and trying on things. And we were like eating, you know, smoothies together. And like, I can talk to them like people, I know it's, it's, it's going to get hard. I mean, I can see it getting hard as it is. Um, but it, I do really like this stage a lot. Um, I don't miss diapers. I don't miss 
the lack of sleep, even though my little one is not the best sleeper. And I, I yeah. really don't miss pushing a stroller, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, it goes both ways, but I'm, I'm really trying to like love every moment. Yeah. It's a trip. It really, it really feels like you're going to be locked in that existence forever, especially when you have like you and I did consecutive young kids. It was all, it was, you know, eight years more or less because of the youngest one where I was in that stage of diapers and no sleep. And, and now my (laughs) freedom is like very disorienting. It's great. Like you said, it's wonderful. But um, yeah, I was just, I'm not ready for like the total independence where Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're like, bye, see you later. I mean, like that, I think I will be to your point, like totally mourning because, you know, to have like a quiet house and to have my kids like going out. And I, I mean, that's like, I'm not ready for that. And the many things that come along. I hate to, when I like do the actual math of things in my nine-year-old, I'm like, Oh my God, we're halfway to him being in college. Like I can't look at the numbers of it. I just I know. Just like live in the moment. Um, okay, let's pivot a little bit to talk about for anyone listening who is um, wanting a little advice on how to structure their new endeavor. So, say um, I'm I'm cutting out on my own. Similar to you, you want to do something um, sort of in the area where your expertise is. You want to consult. You want to coach. You want to live in that space that's adjacent to the field that you come from. What's a good first step for somebody who's ready to move on, but they don't know what direction specifically to land on. Yeah. So it's interesting you're asking me this because I'm like going through this. So I'm like a few steps ahead of like just doing this, obviously. So when I left Bump Club, I knew that I wanted to help other female founders. And I was very specific in that. So I would say number one is to, you know, be specific as to who you want to help and start talking to them. Like that's like the first step I would say, start talking to them on social media, just like I started talking to expectant moms back in the day. Right. Show up as yourself, start talking, start building your connection, start building your, your expertise, be authentic. You know, I don't sugarcoat things. I mean, this is how I'm talking to you is how I talk on social media. It's how I talk to my clients. And like, I'm, I'm the same person all the time. So that would be the first thing when it would be to really hone in on who you're going to help. And then it's funny because you, you just asked like how specifically can you help people and whatnot? When I first left bump club, I was like, well, I can do this and this, like I can do, you know, marketing consulting on a grand scale. I can do social media consulting. I can do content, content consulting. I can, consult or coach someone how to launch a business from, you know, inception to launch. I mean, there's so many different things that I can do. And one of my best friends said to me, she's like, you can do so many things because you've done so many things, but what is the one thing that you want to do? Because you need to pick it and get good at it. Okay. Let me hop in. How specific do you have to be on that too? Like, for example, if you're, I'm just using this as an example, because it's something that I'm kind of familiar with in the media space, you're going into consulting and I say, I want to help companies tell their stories because that's what, like, do I have to say, okay, I want to help companies write web copy or have a great, like how specific do you have to get in those first few? I don't think that you, so in the beginning, I wasn't so specific. I had a few different clients doing a few different things. Right now, and that what I have found is, and it's very, it's natural and it's not going to surprise you, my expertise is building communities and right. monetizing communities. That's what I did. That's what I'm doing now. And so, yes, I am helping people with content. Yes, I am helping people with social media strategy. Yes, I'm helping people with their marketing plans, mm-hmm. but it all starts with the community. And yeah. so it's not necessarily being so specific, like always, always, always. 
but it's how you share what you're doing. And so okay. I'm very specific in the, in the way that I share what I'm doing. And I share that I will help you build a community that you can monetize. And so we do that through email, social media, content. And I, and I use all of these tactics and strategies that I used to build my first company and I'm using to build my second company to help you build your company. Okay. Let me hop in here with a specific question about social media. As entrepreneurs, we are often told to focus more on email lists, our own blogs and original um, owned content versus social media. In the current landscape, do you agree with that statement? And beyond that, what are the most important platforms and systems to invest in in the beginning so that you can start to build that community? Yes. So first things first, no matter what is you want to set up an email service provider, even if you have like no one to even <laughs> reach out to yet, you want yeah. to have it in place. Um, so it's interesting when I think about Bump Club, I did this without even realizing I was doing it. So we had people register for events. So I was collecting emails and then we had, and then I always did a survey after. So we were collecting emails. That's um, interesting. Okay. You know, and so when I, I, I started collecting emails from the very beginning and just from the event registrations, and then it was webinar registrations and then it was giveaways. And then it was through paid acquisition. I mean, it went on and on, right? When I sold my company, I had over 150,000 emails. So that was a very large thing that they bought from me. Um, that was an asset that they bought from me. It was also my direct line of communication. And I saw it then and I see it now. People transact off of emails. I don't care what people right. what you say. Email's not dead. It's a really great way to connect. But you need to filter into that email list, right? So your social media is a great platform to talk about your email list and to get people to sign up and to get people to enter to win and there are a lot of different tactics to utilize social media to that degree. And it obviously is for a massive. Now I do want to say this. It is so important that you own your own stuff. Yeah. I was hacked in January your Instagram? And on Instagram. And as it happened, I was like, I can't believe it. Like I like, it was like a slow-mo thing. <laughs> and thankfully I got my account back. I mean, I, you know, it's not like I have massive amounts of followers. I have like 12,000 followers, but that's my business. Yeah. And at the time I was just starting my new email list. And so I, it really opened my eyes to the importance of owning your own destiny. Mm -hmm. And I do find that when I send out an email about a workshop or a program or even a live, like that's free on Instagram, when I send out an email to my community, I definitely get more response than when I just like publish it on social media. So how much energy, if you were looking at a pie chart, should an entrepreneur focus on social media versus building up these uniquely owned platforms, i.e. email subscriptions, original blog? So I think they go hand in hand. And okay. I, yes. So it's like a 50-50 kind of effort? Yes. And I'm honest to God, I always tell my clients and in my workshops, I'm actually teaching a workshop after this kind of about this. Um it all has to work and it, and, and it doesn't work if it's not working together. So like you can have an amazing social platform, but if you have no email, like it's not, it's not like a full 360, right? And like, it's not just the email too. It's also your content on your website because you use that to drive traffic to your website. 
Right. It's also your collaborations. When you collaborate with people, you are inadvertently growing your community. Oftentimes you're not even realizing you're growing your community, but you're growing your community. You're also getting content when you collaborate with people that you can then share on social and share on your email. So all of these things intertwine and they lift your community up and they build connection. And when you're connecting with your community, they transact. So it is, it's a, it's an ecosystem. It sounds like. It is an ecosystem. And I think uh, not enough brands and businesses think about their community first and think about the relationship that they have with their community. Um, You know, one of the things that I love to say is like, get social on social media. Like it's called social media because it's a two way street. So like, stop just like pushing your agenda on everyone and just talk to people. Yeah. I want, I want to ask about that because, um, Oh gosh, I think about this so much as I'm sure you do. Um, you want to show up on your social platforms and be available, be open and sort of have that dialogue, but it can feel like a fine line. What is too much or too many say Instagram stories per day and how many free offers do you put up in the form of free content? No need to subscribe to get this before you ask them to go ahead and type their email in? Like, what's a good ratio there? Because I think my problem, I just give, I give it all away for free. <laughs> I, mean, so I, I, I don't think that's a problem, Sunny. I really don't. Okay. And that's something that I talk about a lot. Um, the more you serve your community, the more they're going to subscribe to you and then transact with you later, really and truly. And I, I, I will share like a real life example. Like I I teach this like free social media challenge. And the last time I taught it, I'm in the middle of teaching it for the second time. The last time I taught it was my first time that I taught it. And I showed up and I shared a lot of stuff. I mean, like actionable tips that you can take to grow your community on social. I mean, it was not fluff. It was not BS. You know, it was not like just because it was free, I wasn't going to share. I mean, people, and I was getting crazy testimonials from how people were, were benefiting from it. I ended up putting an offer out to continue working with me and to tie this social into like the greater marketing picture. 80% of the active participants, the active participants from the challenge transacted. Wow. And they paid to continue to work with you. And they paid to continue to work with me. And now I'm tra- I'm fine tuning at the moment. Right. I mean, I'm learning as I go what right. works, what doesn't like, you know, and, but it, it was a really eye opener for me. And I, and I, don't have a problem sharing. Like, yes, I might share things that you pay me for, but when you're paying me, you're paying for me. You're paying for my energy. You're paying for my expertise directly as it relates to your business. You're paying for me to show up. That's very different than getting a PDF of my action steps. That's true. You know, and I think um, in the communications world, that energy input is really undervalued sometimes by companies. You know, I've worked with companies in the past. They're like, you know, come do this thing for us. And what they don't realize is to tell their story it involves hours of um, producing and interviewing them and finding the nuggets and finding the hooks. And, you know, people think, I'm sure with you too, you show up and you just, you're ready to go. And it's like, well, no, actually like, so my question for you is in this space, how to price out intellectual capital. Um, You hear people who say, don't just price out based on experience, because although that's important. And for some of us, we've been doing this for decades, you have to price out on potential too. So I want some good solid numbers. And I know this is going to vary, but give us a starting point for where people can, what people can start to charge. Say if they're in the non, um, 
you know, goods business. They're in the, what, what's their internet? Yeah. Service business. Yeah. So I, so I will share with you just kind of like what I have learned thus far and also like what I've paid for. So one of the things, like, cause I take classes all the time. I think it's so right. important to keep learning. So one of the things that I want to share is I, so I took a class on how to start a podcast. I actually mm-hmm. took two. I bought one and one was like modules that I had to like follow on my computer and it wasn't live. The other one I bought was, um, it was much more expensive and it was live. And I started doing the first one and I like couldn't get through it and I wasn't accountable. And I, it just, I didn't, it wasn't for me. The live one held me accountable. I did my homework. I had a podcast up and running in eight weeks. It was worth every penny. When you invest into yourself, it comes back to you tenfold. And I also think what you have to think about what the experience is that you're investing in. I was really, um, drawn to the person who taught this class and I, and, and I was motivated by her and, and I showed up and I did my homework, like I said, and it was a much different experience than me, like buying like a module class that's like still sitting in my inbox. I haven't completed that class. So, you know, that is like, and so I think too, there's to go back to your question on pricing, like when I price out something, so Okay, so I did this challenge. The first the first challenge that I did or the first workshop I did, it was like a month boot camp and I charged less than $500 for it. And when you say a month long boot camp was that once a week for a month? Yeah, it was once a week. It was like three live sessions and like I put in some like okay. action items in a Facebook group every day that people had to do their homework and we built upon the lesson. So I was available, I answered questions. Right. I did not charge enough, okay? And I and yeah. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. But I wasn't doing it. And I'm just being totally honest right now. I was not doing that to make money. I was doing that to prove yeah. myself and to figure out what it is I wanted to do. Now, when I did the survey at the end, 90% of the people who took the survey said, you should be charging five times more for this. So, you know, it was, it, but that was eye-opening yeah. for me too. But here I am now. I, it was the first time I did it. I walked away with my curriculum what I want to do, what I want to change for next time. And also some really great feedback and testimonials and like success stories that I can share. Yeah. Now I am going to be charging exactly what many of the people who are kind of offering these same live programs are, which it's a, it's a, it's going to be between a thousand and 1500 a month for three months. And so, um, I mean, to me, that sounds because I know the work that goes into creating a program and the experience that you bring and the sort of perspective that you bring. That sounds still like like a bargain for three months worth. But I also know because I have been the purchaser of these things, having transitioned into digital media. And I remember getting sticker shock working with I think it was a branding person a while back and it was in that range. I was like, oh my God, I work so, my freelance money is really hard to come by. So you really do have to find that, like you said, that's probably where the trust comes in, having offered a ton of free content because when you do spend that, it's like you said, pays exponentially. But when you're with the wrong person, it can feel like a big dent in your pocket. Well, a big thing for me too, is I really want to make sure that I can offer my services to as many people as possible. And I realize that not everyone can pay one-on-one. When you work with me one-on-one, it's a similar program, but obviously it's one-on-one. It's tailored to you. You get me only talking about your business. Mm -hmm. We solve problems specific to your business. Right. When you work with me in a group setting, that's, you know, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month, we're working together as a group We're workshopping as a group. And it's less specific to you in terms of my information and input to your brand. But here's the converse. 
you get the networking, which I think is great too. Like I have made friends through my podcasting class that we've helped each other out in ways that I can't, that could be a whole other episode. So, you know, I think there's something to be said too. If you can't afford a one-on-one coach, but you do a group coaching program, there are a lot of benefits to that as well. And then of course I have like smaller ways to work with me and my free stuff online, which you can interact with me online and take actionable tips away from the social media, you know, tips that I share and the community building tips that I share for free. You know, it's obviously different than working with me, but that's the whole thing is that like, I really want to be able to support people wherever they need me. Yeah. You want to provide a variety of options. Yeah. Um, Give us one nugget of advice for people who are ready to cash in on their experience their talents, their services they offer. We talked about, you know, getting specific on what you want and kind of narrowing it down as you go. We talked about social media and the importance of building the email list, but on the inspiration side of things for people who are sort of teetering and trying to make the decision as to whether or not this is right for them, what is one piece of advice you would give them? Just do it and believe in yourself. I mean, really and truly, like, I think, you know, even when I was leaving Bump Club, you know, I had that moment of like, are people going to hire me? Like, you know, and, and, but then what did I do? I asked myself, what's the worst that happens? They don't. And I go back and get a job as a VP of marketing or a CMO somewhere, you know? So just do it. Like you're never going to know unless you put yourself out there. And when I say, just do it, I don't just mean just like make the decision to do it, actually do it. And you have to put yourself out there. That is the thing too. I think so many of us get caught up in not sharing what it is that we're doing. My number one tip, the first thing that I tell people when they start a business, you need to send an email to every single person that you know, everyone, and let them know I'm doing this. These are the Mm -hmm. services I provide. It might not be for you, but guess what? You can support me by following me on social media. You can sign up for my email list or send this to a friend that you know could benefit from my services. I am still getting emails from the email I sent in September, just like that one. Mm -hmm. And this went to personal contacts, professional contacts. Yep. It went to everyone like in my Gmail, because at the time I hadn't like launched my, my website yet. Um, So you have to tell people. And also when you do that and you send that email out, those are the people who are your low hanging fruit, right? They're the people who know you best. And Mm -hmm. even if they're like people, you know, at an arm's length, they know you They're You're not sending it like to a blind stranger. I'm not saying send it to like, Right. You know, people you don't know, send it to people, everyone, you know, of course. But, um, you know, these are the people who are going to support you, but they're also going to give you feedback and they're going to help you prove your concept. And, you know, if you if you don't have something that is worthwhile, you will know from that email. You will absolutely know. And I have had many people on my podcast who have told me that they have built businesses by sending that one email, just like I did. And so you have to let people know and you have to talk about what it is you sell. I think so many of us are so afraid to like, you know, you asked me about the ratio before on like social media. I don't always talk about what I'm selling, but I try to make it so it's like 10, 15, 20%. And I do it in a way that's not like sleazy, you know? I mean, it's like, I want to help you. Here's here's what your pain point is. And I know I can solve it through X, Y, and Z. Like it's, it's a very intentional, but you also have to talk about it because if you're not telling people what you do, They don't know. They're not just going to know by like osmosis that you teach these classes or, you know, you don't want to leave it up to them to guess. You you know, you want to be very obvious. Join me for my workshop. Join me for my challenge. Do you need help one-on-one? Here are services I provide. And, you know, I would say once 
every other week, I do some kind of post about the services I provide in a very like low key way, you know, but it's so important to share it. I also go on in my stories and I talk about my work with my clients and I talk about what it is that I do and their successes. And you like, don't be afraid to talk about yourself. Like if you're going to do it, like so hard, I know do it. You do. I mean, and, uh, Rachel, my producer, who's um, on with us, but uh, we talk about this all the time. You come from an industry in journalism. You're all you're told is not to tell people what you think, not to tell people what you do. And um, I would just like to also add in that advice what what Lindsay just said is vital because I think had I come to that conclusion or that revelation a little sooner, I could have grown quicker in a lot of ways. It's also a point of differentiation on social media, like you said. Like, how? Why do I follow you, Lindsay, and not the other coaches? Well, because I do X, Y, Z. So I just second that in the biggest way. You really like getting specific. I don't know why it's so hard. It really is hard because you feel um, braggy, or you feel it feels weird to talk about ourselves. It does feel weird to talk about ourselves. But the other thing too is like, like I said, you have to. But on the converse you know, you have to know that you're not the only one like experiencing these, these like confidence issues or these emotions or that you have issues with your business. If you have issues with your business, I mean, I will tell you right now, I have clients who are solopreneurs and who haven't even launched a business to clients who have nine figure businesses and they all have the same problems. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like building their community and their marketing and like their social media, like qualms and You know, a lot of this stuff is new for a lot of people, especially if like I'm 42 and especially if you're kind of in that generation that's over 35 that you really didn't grow up with like the social media, it's new. And so you have to just do it to my point because you're not going to learn how to do it unless you do it. You can't like just learn by watching me. You have to actually do it. Like we do things together in my classes. Like we do, there's homework, like we do it because if you don't do it, then you're not going to get anywhere. Right, right. Okay, I want to round things out, Lindsay, with just one quick final sort of lightning round. Guys, this is directed to anyone who's ready to take some active steps to build up their business. Um, Best advice for branding, Lindsay, we hear a lot, and these don't have to be long, complicated answers, but for someone who's striking out on their own, you hear a lot about branding. Where do you start for branding and what's your best advice for landing on your voice and your look? So I would be very simple to start and know that you can always make a change. Don't overcomplicate it and like make yourself insane about it. Um, if you can't afford to hire some kind of graphic designer, I I look to places like Fiverr or ask your network. The other thing that I think is amazing is swap with someone. Like see if you can find a graphic designer and offer your service in exchange for their service. And that goes with not just with graphic design. That goes with kind of everything when you're starting out. Offer something up and you'd be like you would be you wouldn't believe what you can get in return and it will come back to you to them and I, I firmly believe in that. So but don't overcomplicate. To answer your question, don't overcomplicate because you can always change it. The Bump Club logo changed twice while I was there. Oh, okay. What about social media? Any hard and fast rules about how often people should be posting to start? So there is no hard or fast rule about how often, but be consistent. So I think you need to be consistent and you need to be consistent in a cadence that works for you. If you are not a content creator and you are not making money by content, you do not want to be spinning your wheels, creating new content all the time. So you want to repurpose your content, which is like, that is something that I am 
all about is like taking one piece of content and using it 30 different ways, Mm -hmm. but you need to pick a cadence that works for you and for your lifestyle so that you are not burning out. When do you hire social media help someone to help manage your platforms? I, that is, this is a tough question because I actually managed bump club social media until the day I walked out the door and, um, we did hire help often and it was really hard to like get the voice changed and whatnot it when i when this is like a whole other story this is like i'm I'm botching your question i'm sorry but no not at all um you know i i i also at, at the end um when i was doing bump club i didn't have we didn't have the they didn't have the the head count to have someone help me with social media so that was a whole other issue but in terms of when did i hire someone Um, I would say when it was too much for me to manage and the best place to start is by having someone manage your community in terms of like help answer your DMS, help like other people's stuff, following other people, finding people for you to engage with, like start where, start where you don't need to be right. The forward facing. That's what I would say first and work up from there. Um, And I also think if you reach a plateau and you're like not, you're not generating traction anymore, bring someone in from the outside to help you with your strategy. It doesn't have to be a full-time consultant, like a full-time employee, but a consultant can really open your eyes. I I mean, I just sat down with a nine figure brand who I looked at their social media before going in the back end. I looked at the front of their social media and gave them 10 things that they could do to change it. And it's like, wow, blown it up for them. Oh, that's awesome. And what's your favorite email platform? I know there are a lot of options for entrepreneurs between, um, I don't know, Flowdesk and what's the other one? So I've used them all. Okay. <laughs> MailChimp, yeah. Constant Contact. I've used them all. I like yeah. Flowdesk, to be you honest. Like okay. um, I think that Flowdesk is easy. The templates are really pretty. Um, it's a little bit more intuitive than some of them. Like I always found that with Bump Club, we used MailChimp and that's when I was thinking I needed like help because I didn't understand the mechanics of how to make it work for me. And that is a really important thing. It's not just using it. It's how can you make your systems work for you? So you're doing less work. And I think Flowdesk is a lot more simplified that way. Okay. That's good to know. I'm just trying them out for the first time too. So good to know. Um, Lindsay, tell us where we can connect with you and should anyone be interested in working with you on any and all the services that you offer, how we best reach out. Yeah. You can find me at lindsaypinchuk.com. Everything is there. You can also follow me on Instagram at lindsaypinchuk. I check it all the time. I, I am answering. It is me. Um, and it will be me for quite some time. Um, and you can find me on my podcast, which is called Dear Founder. And it is a podcast for female founders um, twice weekly. And I interview all different founders from all different backgrounds and they share their stories and we help you to propel your business forward. Yeah. There's never been a better time than to strike out on your own than now. I really feel like if, if it, if it's money you're concerned about, I don't have enough money to start a business. Like Lindsay said, the amount of free resources out there, I mean, go to Lindsay's Instagram page and you'll get 10 videos right off the top with practical tips and advice. So, you know, don't jump before you're ready, but I I, just hearing people like you talk, Lindsay, who are so great at what they do and offer all of these services, you can get so much started before you actually even leave whatever job that it's just, it's shocking to me. Digital media has made it so easy for everybody to start their own thing. There's never been a better time. I mean, really and truly, there's never been a better time. Yeah, I agree. Lindsay, thank you for offering your, your wisdom and perspective and for joining us today on We Gotta Talk. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun.
Thank you so much. And guys, thank you for watching and or listening. As always, your ratings and reviews really, really help. So open up your Apple Podcasts app. Please tap five stars. Leave a review. Those make my day. And I'm sending you the biggest virtual hug if you do so. You can also find all the latest blog posts at wegotatalk.com slash blog. That is updated often with some great advice from all of our guests. And that's it. We'll see you next week here on We Gotta Talk with some more good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.